friend of um, our family, uh, Pastor Jared Van Berkel from Fantail Studios. Who here has ever heard of Fantail Studios? Wave your hand in the air. Woo, that's good. Well done. We're doing a good thing. Um, Fantail Studios is a ministry close to our hearts uh, here at Cornerstone. We support it. We, so could you please give a big round of applause to our very good friend, uh, Pastor Jared Van Berkel. Hey, it's so nice to see everybody this morning. I think every time I come in here, this place feels like it's growing. Hi, everybody in the cheap seats. How you guys doing? You guys should feel so nice. They gave, the, they, they gave you their space. Now the kids have gone. There's all these wee pockets. You Feel free at any point to do the wee awkward, excuse me, excuse me, and grab a seat. Now the kids have left. That's all good. I won't point you out and make it real awkward in the middle for sure. Hey, it's great to be speaking this morning. Um, so give me a wave if you've never heard of Fantail Studios. Um, I want to see those hands. If you don't know what Fantail Studios is, but like own it, own it. Like I have no idea what that is. Um, awesome. Okay, so in a nutshell, Fantail Studios is a team of media missionaries. And so what we do is we capture the radical love and power of God in action and we produce testimony videos, television shows, movies, and then they play um, on social media and on TV all around the world. And basically our heart through media is to find the lost and activate the found so that people who have no idea who Jesus is could experience him. And then potentially people that go, yeah, I've been going to church for the last 20 years, but I actually don't have an active, vibrant adventure relationship with Jesus could be inspired to begin to put wheels on their faith and do something with the gospel. And so that's, that's what we do. And I've, I want to share a few stories today. Who likes stories? Give me a wave if you like stories. Yeah, there we go. That's nice. Um, give me a wave if you like herbal tea. Um, yeah, let's get some more herbal teas going in this church, okay? Um, so I want to I share a few stories because I just got back uh, late Monday night, kind of Tuesday morning this week. I've been over in the States for three months, traveling around there, following a, a bit of a Jesus hunch, and I'm going to share stories, and my heart today, as I, as I begin to share stories and kind of make myself a little bit vulnerable in the middle of it and be a bit honest with actually how scary it is sometimes to follow Jesus. Um, I don't know about you guys, if I were leading in church at the moment with the finances that you're believing for breakthrough in, I would have moments where I feel bulletproof with Jesus and then I'd have moments where I feel like I want to throw up. Um, and Jesus is rubbing my back being like, it's okay, buddy, I'm still here. I'm like, God, where have you gone? Okay. And because sometimes I live my life oscillating between feeling really like, oh man, the man of faith, Jesus and I have got this. And then the next day, God, Going, what on earth am I doing with my life? This is stupidity on display um, globally. What is going on? And so a couple ground rules as I share today. Anything that I say that you think, you know what, that could apply in my life, take it and make it yours. I made a decision years ago with my wife, with Jesus, that if we were 70% sure that we'd heard God speak, we'd make a life-changing decision on it. 
Um, and I've always kind of looked at David versus Goliath. And I say this in the sense that I've got a board um, that pray into things. I've got a team of prophetic people that I submit things to. Uh, I love taking things to the wider body and say, hey, would you pray about this? I really need Holy Spirit's direction and all of those things. But majority of the time, I get a hunch that Jesus is over there saying, Jared, come to where I am. I love it. the Bible says that Jesus speaks of himself. He says, I'm the good shepherd. The sheep hear my voice and I call them by name. And I often look at David versus Goliath where David turns up. Goliath is doing his big challenge to the people of Israel. He's been doing it for 40 days and 40 nights. And David rocks up and goes, I think I'll just hit him in the face with a rock till he's dead. And there's no, hey, I'm going to go get 20 people to pray about this. And I just really need to know that I know that I know. He just sees a problem, goes, I reckon if I hit it in the face with a rock, we could move on. And that's kind of become the, the ethos of how I want to have my life because I want to be on a perpetual adventure with Jesus. And so what I don't want to do is I don't want to allow the insecurity of fear to cause me to shrink back to get to a point where as long, I have to know that I know that I know that God is with me before I step out. And my wife was a big help in this journey because I learned to hear God's voice when I was pretty young. And so then my confidence began to be on my ability to hear God speak. And so then I began to go, well, I, I have to make sure that I'm hearing clearly because if I, if I make a mistake, I might step outside of his grace or outside of his plan for my life and I could make a mess of things. And so I ended up being in a place where I had to know that I know that I know because my confidence was on my ability to hear the Father speak rather than on the goodness of my Father's nature. And so one night I was praying and, and going, man, honey, I just really need to know that I know that this is God. And she said, Why? Why can't you just trust your dad to look after you? Why can't you just trust that the father of all things sees your heart and that he'll, he'll be faithful? Even if you're wrong, his grace is gonna come around you and, and help lift you up. And you might, you know, course correct a little bit. It might get a little bit bumpy, but he's good enough. He's gonna move you towards where he needs you to be. Why can't you just trust him instead of trusting yourself? And it became like this shifting moment. Okay. If I'm about 70% sure, then I'm gonna run as fast as I can in that direction. Trusting that as I go, Jesus will narrow it down. And so I wanna share some stories now. And, and as I do this, like I say, like as I speak, my heart is that you would hear me speaking going, man, that guy sounds a little bit like a Muppet. Uh, but he's in love with Jesus and somehow things kind of seem to be working out Maybe I don't have to have things all together either. I can just be in love with Jesus and trust that Jesus is gonna make up for all the mess in my life. I felt one day I was praying and God said, Jared, you need to know that I'm also like, I'm the God of this, God of that, but in your life, I'm also the janitor. And I go around your life and I'm so good as a janitor, I clean up so many mistakes that you don't even know that you're making them. I have cleaned up so many spills in your life that you were totally oblivious even happened. That's how good I am to you. And so a while ago last year, I was filming a documentary with Derek Prince Ministries in Kenya. And I'd been away on tour for a while and my crew were there. And on one of the last nights, I had a dream. And in this dream, 
I was on a train and there was a man busking and I went over to put some money in his like guitar case and he had a Kina coin from Papua New Guinea. You know, it was a big round coin with a hole in the middle of it and crocodiles going around on the outside. And I went, wow, you've got a Kina coin from PNG. I said, can I buy it off you? And he said, yeah, I've got five of them. And I said, cool. Um, you know, they were really cool back in the day when we lived in New Guinea. You could put string on them, put them in the vending machine and then pull them back out. So we were like one of those missionary kids that could steal off anybody, you know. <laughs> Mike Robb probably taught me how to do it. You can blame him later. So in this dream, he gives me this coin and I, be, and I hold it in my hand and I begin rotating it. And uh, in, in real life, over the last sort of year or so, God had been speaking to me about expanding our Fantau Studios ministry into the States, over to the US. And so in this dream, I'm holding this coin and I'm rotating it. And in the dream, every time I rotate it, the presence of God grows in the dream. It just keeps getting stronger and stronger and stronger. And then on the final rotation, the coin changes and it's no longer a Kina coin from Papua New Guinea. And it had these flowers on the back of it in the dream and it changed. And it was now the picture of a little girl on her knees praying. And it had the word Hawaii stamped on the coin. And I hold it, I'm looking at this little girl praying with the word Hawaii on the coin going, what is going on? And then Jesus speaks to my heart in the dream and says, will you take my gospel to her? And I can feel my heart beginning to break and, and you know, like trying to hold back the tears in the dream. And, and then Jesus says, Jared, stay on target for America. Once I get you there, I'm going to open up the whole world to you. And then he began to show me a few other things and I woke up from the dream. I felt like I was bulletproof. Had this radical encounter with Jesus. I'm in Kenya. It's like two o'clock in the morning. I'm lying in bed going, what an incredible dream. And then I get an email that comes through like three in the morning and I get a finance report from our ministry back home showing that our finances are in the worst space that they've ever been. And I'm like, wow, what unique timing. <laughs> and so we go on this faith journey of me talking to God about the finance breakthroughs that we need. And I begin to take this to Jesus and go, Jesus, look at this finance report. It shows that on this date, we will run out of money. And then Jesus would say to me, is that today's date? I say, no. He goes, cool. Why are we having the conversation? I told you my grace would be sufficient for today. Why do you want the money for eight weeks from now? And, I, and then I'd be like, okay, God, you're right. And he goes, no, no, it's not a rhetorical question, Jared. Why do you need the money now for eight weeks from now? Why do you want it today? Tell me. I said, well, God, because I don't want to have to keep trusting you. Because trusting you, God, I don't know if you've noticed, Jesus, it's exhausting. You do everything the hard way. And I want a holiday from having to trust you. Just give me a break. Just give me enough resources that I don't have to rely on you for a season. And then I'll come back to relying on you. And he's always like, oh, cool. So now we're talking about the real issues. The lack of trust. Who knows that when God's discipling you, he's just, he's more determined to bring the change in you than you're concerned about what's happening on around you. And so I go on this journey with Jesus. 
And then I have another dream, you know, a couple months later and I'm in America and we're there for three months and I wake up from the dream and Jesus says, hey, I need you to go. So February just been, we, we pack up and we go to the States for three months. I've just come back and I go, well, where should we land to start with? So well, it would make sense to land in Hawaii. Um, and God had been just subtly starting to speak to me about the YWAM ministry in Hawaii, which is actually on Kona Island, but we land in kind of like the capital in Honolulu. And because I'd reached out to the YWAM base on Kona Island, and they didn't really, to be honest, seem that interested in meeting me. It just seemed like it wasn't really going to go anywhere. So I was like, I'll just go to Honolulu and just see if Jesus does something. And so I'm there for a few days and I go to a revival healing meeting that's there and I'm there and I turn around and there's someone in the room that I know. But it's not just anybody, it's someone that I used to be in ministry with years ago. They had a terrible uh, marriage breakup. He was incredibly wounded and he just kind of left the country and went and hid overseas for years and I'd lost contact with him, but he'd been on my heart for so long. And I turn around and I see this guy standing in this revival meeting in Hawaii and I kind of explode in excitement, run over, grab him, hug him, go, oh my gosh, I can't believe it's you. Like you've been on my heart for years. And he said, wow. He said, yesterday, Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, I'm going to reconnect you with an old friend. I went, oh, that's crazy. He said, yeah, but... I kind of thought I was meant to bump into whoever that was yesterday. So I don't, why didn't I see you yesterday? It was meant to be yesterday that I saw you. I said, well, where were you? And he said, I was at, you know, this shopping mall yesterday in Honolulu. I said, I was in that shopping mall yesterday. And he goes, oh, were you at, you know, at this event at that mall? I said, I was at that event at that mall. And there was this concert happening in the mall and he videoed it on his cell phone. He picks up the video and I'm across the audience looking almost directly at him. And his video evidence that I was right there at the right place, totally oblivious to what Holy Spirit was organizing. And then God was kind of like, oh, you guys are so dumb. I'm going to set this up again for tomorrow. I'll give you another try. I said, where have you been? And he said, I've been over at the YWAM base on Kona Island. God's just had me on a healing journey and he's restored me and all of these things and just shared his testimony and I've been over there. I thought, oh, maybe there is still something there. Anyway, we we carry on and we go over to the States. I'm kind of interested about this and then God begins to speak to me and one of the things that's been on my heart is to build a supernatural film school that will train filmmakers how to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit hopefully a little bit better than I'd been doing in the last few weeks. And he goes, I want Jared you to train people to hear my voice as filmmakers and I want you to train them in developing nations. So that when I release revival in the villages and developing nations, your sons and daughters of my kingdom who have been trained to capture it and release it in their own language and their own culture. And so I get to this, um, the mainland and I'm in Atlanta and within about 24 hours of being there, I feel Holy Spirit speak to me. He says, Jared, you keep saying you want to make a supernatural film school. I go, that's right, Lord. And he says, yeah, that language doesn't really work for me. You have to change from I want to to I'm going to. I went, okay, sure. All right, God, I'm going to do a supernatural film school. And it was a total trap because his next thing was great, when? He said, I can't, I can't bless nothing. I can't multiply nothing. So what can you give me that I could breathe on? 
Like what, what is something you could do? So Jaron, when I told you to launch Fantail Studios, I told you to make hundreds of TV shows about me and you went off and you started making five minute testimony videos with some high schoolers that could help you on Fridays. Not exactly what I said, really, but you gave me something to breathe on. So give me something to multiply. And so I said, God, well, I can only be here for about 12 weeks at a time because of my 90 day visas. He's like, cool. I could do a lot with 12 weeks. Why don't you give me 12 weeks and come back in September? And so I felt really excited in that moment because God was speaking to me. So I made the commitment that I would do that. And then Holy Spirit spoke to some other people that were going to help me. And for about two days when the presence of God was around me, I was like, this is awesome. And then the reality of how expensive that would be, the fact that nobody might come and how on earth am I going to bring my five family members back to the States again and, and afford to do this began to set in. And I started feeling like I was going to throw up a little bit. But I love it how that God just takes us on these journeys when we're actually not meant to know the in-betweens. And this is really the heart of something that I want to share with you. I began to have this clear picture of Jesus standing on, the, on a world map. And he, in the picture, he was standing on America and he was just going like this. Come to me. And the sense that I felt like I could fail in every area of what success would look like in my mind was really strong. But the sense that Jesus was standing there saying, come to me began to override the logic of my mind and speak directly to my heart that this is the saviour that I love. This is my best friend and he's standing in this, in this space of calling saying, come to me. And it began to speak to my heart that it meant, God, I, I love you so much that even if I might fail in all these areas of what success would look like in my eyes, if you're standing there saying, come to me, I, like, I can't not be anywhere other than where you are. And so the question that I want to bring to your hearts this morning as I share some stories is where is Jesus standing in your life right now? Do, do you have an awareness or a sense of where Jesus is saying, come to me? Is there an aspect of calling or challenge or relationship or something of the kingdom of heaven that he's calling you to, to contend for that he's standing in as the shepherd calling you by name saying, come to me. I love the journey that you guys were on as a church with this big project and this build. And I believe for the leadership team, they have a sense that Jesus is standing in the middle of it saying, come to me. And you go, we go in our natural mind, God, there's all these barriers here in front of us. He says, yeah, but as you come to me, each one of those barriers is going to bow the knee to Jesus. Each one of those obstacles will have to fall at my feet because I'm calling you to come to where I am. And so we began to continue this process going, God, I don't know how this is going to work. But we, we've realized, you know, one of the most basic things we'd need would be a base of operations. And we were staying in the States at a missionary campus called Operation Mobilization. And we asked to meet with, I think it's the vice president and the head of marketing to share the vision with, because being the cheeky Kiwis that my family is, we wanted somebody to give us free offices, free classrooms, a free house and free everything. 
And so we end up on one of the last days in that part of America. We, we get a meeting and it's with the right person and he, we, we meet him in the foyer and he says, look, I'm sorry that I've been so difficult to get a hold of. I have just been the sickest I've ever been in my adult life. Even now, he says, I can hardly hear. It's like I'm living underwater. Everything's muffled. I just, I'm as sick as a dog. But I know that you guys are leaving soon, so I really want to make the time to hear what God has put on your heart. Let's go into the boardroom and have a meeting. As we go in there, and I'm with a friend, and he begins to share this vision of a supernatural film school raising filmmakers in developing nations. And we want to launch something in Atlanta and record the whole thing, build an online school, and then go into these countries, run intensives, and then bring them all into the online programming. And we begin sharing the vision, and then after about a couple minutes, he stops the meeting and says, hey, I just got to stop you right there. The moment you began to share the vision that Jesus had put on your heart, both my ears instantly popped open. I can now hear perfectly. And because I'm not saying that God's done this because what you've got to say is really important, but I'm also not, not saying that, if that makes sense. And I was like, oh, there's this awesome sense that Jesus was going before us. And at the end of it, God just brought these miracles where now we get a free house over there for three months, a free office, free classrooms and things like that. He just began to roll out a little bit of the red carpet. But I still had the sense of, God, what are you doing? What are you doing in Kona Island with YWAM? God, what is that thing? I have to, I have to know and so I thought for a little bit, I think, I, you know, I really think that this might be Jesus. So I've got to fly over there and, and just see. And so Rowena and I, we booked tickets to fly at the end from tech, Dallas, Texas to go to Kona Island at the end of the trip just to see. Because sometimes there's this thing with Jesus where it's so subtle that it's like an invitation to explore. And I would say I was probably maybe 30 or 40% that God might be talking to me. But have you ever had that thing where you just hate not knowing? Like, is there anybody here and you're just such a, you're just curious by nature. You're like, I hate not knowing. So you work out how much will it cost me to find out if this is Jesus or my imagination? And so I do that, go, I hate not knowing. I want to find out, was this God or was it my imagination? How much will it cost me to find out? And am I prepared to pay that cost to find out? And I don't think I've ever not been prepared to pay the cost because I... I hate not knowing that much. The thought of living in a space of wondering would be one of the most unbearable feelings in my life. And so we, we buy the airfares, and then a couple of days later, I go into um, the mission base in, Texas, in Atlanta, OM, and I get a free cup of coffee, because it's free there, and I'm going to go take it back to my house. <laughs> Maybe there's a poverty mentality we need to break off later. I I call it just being cunning. And I go to leave and then the Holy Spirit speaks to me, says, Jared, sit down. There's someone here that needs to meet you. And I'm like, oh, once again, I kind of think that might've just been my imagination because it was so gentle. But I'm like, well, what's it gonna cost me? Like another 10, 20 minutes to find out. So I sit down and I'm watching now attentively as all these different people are walking past. And then this older gentleman walks past and he's probably one of the oldest people that I'd seen that day. And he stops, looks at me, and just says, young man, who are you and what's your story? And, and he comes over, and so I go, wow, I'm a media missionary, and I'm traveling the world because Jesus asked me to 
make a supernatural film school to train people how to create TV shows about Jesus that could change the world. Um, and he goes, cool. The moment you started speaking, Holy Spirit told me that you need to go to the YWAM base in Hawaii. He has a divine appointment for you there. And I was like, oh my gosh. Thank you, really old man who hears Jesus way better than me. And I said, who are you and what's your story? And anyway, so you get to the end of things and I get to Texas and I end up in this random meeting with the vice president of a Christian university. I got invited to this meeting and I have no idea while I'm there, what am I doing in the room other than some person told me in Texas, hey, I think you need to be in this meeting that I'm going to. I think God's got something to show you. So I end up in this meeting as a total random person with these university execs, like these different doctorates. And they're talking about their ministry and what they're doing. And then they say, you know, our ministry really exploded when God connected us with the YWAM base in Hawaii on Kona Island. And I go, huh, what? Well, tell me that again. And so they begin to tell me, and I'm going, I'm going to be there in like three days. And they're like, oh, wow, yeah, I know you. Yeah, and that's because God wants to do that. And they begin telling me why God wants to connect me there. And I'm like, okay, so now I'm off with the highest expectations you could imagine. And you're, you're now probably thinking, man, this is going to end really awesome. So I get there, tired and jet lagged at the end of everything. And I go from different meeting and meeting, I'm meeting everybody. And in every meeting, I'm, I'm kind of looking for the thing that goes boom in my heart. And I have a meeting with somebody from the immediate team over there. And they begin telling me how God's opened up these filming opportunities for them in Papua New Guinea. And they've just produced a film there of what God's doing. And it's been playing through the cinemas. And I went, Really? I had this dream and I was holding a coin from Papua New Guinea. And so we have this meeting that goes on for a few hours. And in my mind, I'm always wanting an instant game, pl like game plan at the end of the meeting. But there was just like the initial conversation and I'm expecting a little bit more thunderbolts and lightning because um, I want God to make it super clear. But that was the strongest thing that happened. And so I'm like, God, that was really cool. We built some great connection. Then we got stuck in an airport for 12 hours coming home. Came home and I'm like, God, what was, what was that about? Is, do you, am I meant to pursue that more? Because you didn't speak to me at all while I was there. I just had some interesting conversations. But I still feel like you're doing something. And then he speaks to me about some other things. And then I think it was just Friday morning, you know, two days ago, I'm on the phone with a international ministry director uh, for another massive ministry uh, over in the UK. And they run, you know, the UK and Africa and a whole lot of things. I'm talking to this director and I'm telling him my story. I, I don't understand. Like everything was leading to it. And maybe God will do more, but I just, I'm struggling. And he goes, wow, great story. You might be encouraged to know that I just emailed that, their, that director this morning. And they're not affiliated with YWAM at all. Because, but God's put it on my heart to reach out to the YWAM base on Kona Island. And we're looking to form an alliance between our international ministry and theirs because we just feel the sense of God calling us to them, that he's doing something there. 
So we're going to go there and see if we can do something with them as well. So just, just keep exploring. Keep, keep doing things. And I, I, I would love to, in the story, have this big, like, da-da thing. But here's what I know. The most important thing is finding is where is Jesus standing and calling you? Because I, I so often look to the circumstances to try and figure out what makes sense. The problem is, is that God's kingdom is an upside down kingdom. And if you look at it with your Western mind, trying to make the logic of the way the Father is leading you, you will be consistently frustrated. And you'll live with a sense of feeling driven, feeling frustrated and feeling fatigued because the way that he does things doesn't make sense most of the time. It's not until ages later where you look back at something and go, wow, now it makes sense. It's like when people do their painting and then they're like, what is that? And then they turn it around the proper way and everyone's like, oh, yeah, I knew what it was. Like, no, you didn't. You didn't know what that guy was painting. And as I was preparing to just come this morning, I just, I have a sense that there are people and probably relevant for the leadership and everything of the church as well. I just really want to encourage you. Take the time to refresh in your heart, where is Jesus standing? Because I've just spent the last 88 days and these incredible God moments and these prophetic words and everything. And at the end of it, I still don't really understand all that he's doing because I'm still in the middle of the process. And in the middle of the process, I have a shopping list of the breakthrough that I need. I have a huge list and some of it is incredibly urgent where we need breakthrough. And as I bring these things to Jesus, I am discovering more and more from my own heart that Jesus isn't holding the answers that I need in his hands, but he is my answer. And it's not that he's holding the solution, he is my solution. And it's, if we can zero in on where he is and narrow our focus to the point that he fills our viewpoint and throw ourselves into the pursuit of his presence and go, Jesus, I know that you're calling me. I know that success in your kingdom looks like obedience. Success in your kingdom doesn't necessarily look like everything going awesome. It looks like obedience. I don't know if you've ever read Hebrews 11, the, the faith chapter of all these great heroes of the Bible of whom the world was not worthy. And then it's got this wonderful, discouraging, encouraging statement at the end. Most of these guys died never seeing what it was that they believed God was going to do. But they died still believing. And I keep finding myself in the space going, God, all I want to be is where you are. And if where you are will cost me all of my comfort and all of the things and all of the things that I feel that make me successful, God, would you keep humbling me that I would still find myself in your presence regardless of the cost? God, wherever it is that you would call me and whatever the cost of that would be, Lord, would you humble me enough that I would continually find myself at your feet? 
don't ever let success or comfort or the driven nature of my personality cost me intimacy with you. And so I just want to encourage you, maybe we could have the worship team back up. But what I want to do this morning is I want to want to invite you to again fresh into a place of surrender. As we come into like Pentecost Sunday that we would just go, God, I whatever it is that would cost me to hear your voice and be where you are. I want to be the sheep that hears you calling my name. God, I'm in the middle of the process. So much of it doesn't make sense. And I know that as a church, you guys are in the middle of a process. And lots of different things right now might not make sense. And then as individuals, there'll be uh, individual people and family units here right now, and you're in the middle of a process. God, this doesn't make sense. I have more questions than I have answers. I have a greater list of things that I need breakthrough in than I feel like I've got a list of testimonies. For me, the most freeing thing in the middle of the process is to remember that the responsibility of the process isn't mine. It's not my responsibility to figure it out. It's not my responsibility to find the answers. It's not my responsibility to get the wisdom. It's not my responsibility to run with the revelation. My responsibility is to be in my Father's presence where there is the fullness of joy. And trust Him that He will lead my steps as I humble myself and say, Jesus, I want the focus of You to fill my vision. In whatever circumstance I'm in at the moment, I just want to see where you are, where you're calling me, and I want to come be where you are. I just want to encourage you just now just to stand. You know, it's a really fun thing to have total strangers come up and give you like sniper accuracy prophetic words. And then it's a really confusing thing to follow those words and have no more clarity than you did before. And they go, wow, I thought I would have been at the end of the process of this part of the journey, but I'm no, I'm still smack in the middle. Jesus, remind my heart, where are you standing in the middle of this process? Where is the Prince of Peace standing? Where is the King of Kings standing? Where is Holy Spirit resting in the middle of my process? Jesus, would you fill my eyes and my heart and my vision with where you're standing that my heart would have courage, that my soul would be rejuvenated, that I would have an overflow of grace, peace and joy flowing through me because the King of the universe is standing in the middle of the process with me and He is faithful to bring to completion that which He has started. My God is not a man that He would change His mind or lie. If He said He will do it, He will do it. And so I want to encourage you, if, if you need to this morning, just, let's just want to open up the front for you to come as, as an act of, of surrendering to Jesus, saying, Jesus, here I am. I, I want to surrender fresh to you, but also I want to surrender the responsibility and the burden of control over to you. I don't want to, and this is especially, I think, really hard for dads. This can be really hard for the guys. I, I, want, to respo- I want to surrender even the way that I'm leading my family to you. I want to surrender my need to provide to you. I want to surrender control to you. 
and I lay down the burden of performance at your feet. So if, if that feels like there's something that you just wanna participate in this morning, go, man, I, I need to get rid of some burdens. I need to lay them down at the feet of Jesus. I need to re-surrender control to Him and ask Him, Jesus, would you fill my vision with where you are in the middle of the process? If that's you, then why don't you just come up right now and spend some time with Jesus? Just keep moving forward so the people behind you can still get to the front. That's awesome. Thanks, guys. Thank you, Jesus. And just begin in your own words. In your own words, just out loud. Just begin handing things over to Him. Handing fears over to Him. Even though the future circumstances that you have created in your mind, if Jesus doesn't come through here, then I'm going to experience this, this, and this. These negative circumstances that we build in our imagination, just begin handing those to Jesus and repenting of them, saying, Jesus, I'm sorry that I've been putting my imagination into the negative. Jesus, I I, I submit my mind to you again. I was praying this this morning as I was praying with Jesus. Jesus, I surrender my mind to you fresh that I would have the mind of Christ again. Jesus, sanctify my imagination. Jesus, I surrender my need for control over to you fresh, Jesus. So just right now, just begin to speak those words out to Jesus. Every area that you have been holding on to control, just begin releasing that responsibility to Jesus. Every area where you feel fearful, just begin to declaring, my eyes and my heart will begin to see Jesus in these circumstances. Jesus, would you fill my vision, Jesus? Begin to speak to your own imagination. Imagination, begin to see Jesus in the middle of the storm. Begin to put my eyes up on the King of Kings, that my eyes would be fixed on Him, that I'd be like David going, you know what, I reckon me and Jesus could just go hit that thing in the face with a rock. Thank you, Jesus. Holy Spirit. As you guys just begin to speak this out with the rest of the church, would you just stretch your hands out towards those that have responded? And we just begin speaking in tongues and speaking in faith and provision of encounters over them. Holy Spirit, Lord, we just thank you for them, Jesus. over the fear we hand over the pride Father we just want your presence we receive it now in your name
Lord, I also ask for a hunger for your presence. May there be vision. May there be hopes. May there be dreams that are birthed in this space. Father, we thank you for boldness. Lord, we thank you for the strength to be able to step into the darkness. Not in our own strength, but in who you are, Lord. Father, we give you praise. Father, we give you praise. Thank you. And with that, why don't we just open up our hearts, open up our mouths as we sing to the Lord. And our final song.